Hello and welcome to Dynamics Update. Uh, today it's me, Gustav, and we have a guest. Uh, but first of all, hello, Gustav. How are you today? Hello, Johan. I'm great today, as always. I hope you are well. Yes, I am. And, and as I said, we have a guest as well. Could you please introduce yourself? Hello, I'm Michalvuk. I'm a technical uh, architect and technical fellow at the Centric. And I'm also uh, an enthusiast about the dynamics and especially about the finance and operations part. Nice to have you here, Mia. Yeah. So I think you and Johan met earlier, right, in, in, uh, in Portugal. And um, you found an interest in, in discussing uh, the dynamics ecosystem. And you work with a company called Doxcentric, right? Yes. We met with, uh, with Johan on the uh, FNO Summit in Lisbon uh, like, uh, like a month ago. Mm-hmm. And yeah, we we we, we, made, we we did some interesting discussions and also a jogging. <laughs> it was actually the run that made me yeah. made me uh, uh, think of inviting you because we had yeah. a, an interesting discussion during the run. Because I I uh, uh, I know that you work for Docentric, as as you said, and uh, one of the things that that made me think about this was that Docentric has a sort of a special licensing model when, when it comes to licensing it for customers. Could you, could you please explain that a little bit more? Sure. So from the very beginning, we tried to, uh, we tried to do something for the, community, for the community. Of course, we are a company, we sell our products, but we also wanted to give something to the community instead of a more classic marketing. And uh, so... Uh, we have, uh, we also give one big part of our commercial product as a free version. So, and it's not just a, just a trial that works just for uh, for some days or for some limited amount of I don't know cent emails. It's actually a complete product. So the Centric free version is a complete product that, and we have many many customers uh, that use just this free just this free product. And we are fine with it. So it is something. Uh, it's uh, it it uh, contains improved uh, print destinations, uh, improved emailing part, uh, and also print archive, improved print archives. These are the main components of our free version. And this is something that many many FNO products are, uh, around the world actually use it, and they don't even have to ask us. They can just download it. And try there's there, there there's a lot of materials on it, and the good point is that because it's free, uh, we can also talk about it on on different forums. We can actually advise the uh, different users around the world that they can use our that they can solve their problem using using our tool, and that's also how the things actually started. So it actually helps solving the uh, the problems that people uh, quite actually regularly have. Yeah. It's very cool, and I think and, and you have a very extensive and well um, well founded documentation as well on how to use these products. And I think one of the I stumbled upon Docentric many times before in, in e, earlier versions of AX as well. I'm not sure. Did you have the same? And I don't think was it there for AX 2012 as well, or is it that's the free licensing model uh, downloadable as new? Or... Uh, actually, not. Uh... The Centric started with the Centric Toolkit, that's the .NET uh, product. And then when we find out uh, that uh, some people from AX 
a world joined the company and they actually find out there is a huge gap and a huge potential in the in the in in the AX 2012 yeah. at that time. Then we implemented this uh, .centric rendering engine that generates uh, that allows us to generate uh, reports uh, from the world uh, Microsoft Word templates. Uh, but that was like the this core basic functionality in the X2012. Later, in the FNO times, the product matured much more. We added uh, these improved print destinations that are still, that are continuously improving. And that part was actually taken out to uh, and shipped as a free version. And this free, so it, now it makes sense. It, it's, it's a complete product. And uh, so, and it has, it's not really directly connected to our commercial product. But of course, if the uh, it's if the customers finds out that we know uh, how to solve the problems, and the, then then they are all then they are typically quite open also for demonstration of our commercial product. Yeah. So so basically, if I understand it correctly, basically you have you have the free product, and then you can pay for a premium, and then you get extra functionality as well. Yes, actually. In a simple world, so with our uh, premium, with our paid product, uh, you can use .centric templates. .centric templates for different documents are actually, and these .centric templates are uh, use Microsoft Word as a designer. Uh, so, and because normal power users know how to use uh, Microsoft Word, it's very easy for them to make some report customizations. And uh, there are also some other some other improvement, but that's 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 the major part. Uh, part. Mm -hmm. yeah, yeah, and those are very cool. We actually I use them a lot. I mean, both for AX twenty twelve. The the gap that you mentioned was there, and I think it's an interesting shift in how. I mean, ISVs has been there from AX like early versions of AX, of course. But and I remember someone told me that didn't understand the AX part of it. It's like App Store for ERP. And it's always been like an app store for ERP, like in reality, right? Because you, you can add this and that to the product. But that's never been more true than what it is now with the whole community mindset being out there. Now, if I, if I a couple of years ago when FNO didn't exist, um, it was a struggle to find documentation and information about all these various parts, right? But now the documentation of the standard product as well as, I mean, your ISV, it's, it's all there. It's all there in the community and it's easier to to come by and with you also offering this as a downloadable model um, downloadable code that you can actually implement i saw you also provided free examples of how to solve specific use cases which I, i've encountered many times as well because it is quite common for you to have to split up this what this document needs to go here this document needs to go here that part of the product is a little bit limited in standard the options that you get are limited so it's interesting to see. Do you know like how big of a division it is? How, how many people, how many customers use the free version versus the paid version? Because I, I think I see a lot of usage. Uh, actually, I think much more. I mean, more than a half of our customers use just the free version. And that's fine. Uh, they even come to support sometimes. And we also help them if, if, mm -hmm. if it's not too complicated. Uh, yeah, so... We are we are we are fine with them. You mentioned before this uh, that actually that there is a lot of standard documentation and there is also the the community builds documentation, and uh, this is also something that we regularly do when we see some gaps 
some problems are not well documented uh, in the community. We also try to publish some articles on this uh, on these topics, mm-hmm. uh, often also with some examples, with some uh, proof of concept solutions, mm-hmm. and uh, that's also. And then we publish it on our blog, uh, and that's also quite popular. And also, get, it generates a lot of traffic, and uh, of course, uh, leads the customers to our page and also to our product. Yeah, of course. Um, so as an ISV, do, do you do any uh, com- the community-driven development? It's been up on a, as a topic before. As, as a product company, right? you have you develop the product, right? Do you use the community-driven? Actually, we do some sometimes some community-driven development, talking about standard, micro, standard Microsoft, uh, I, I mean, uh, to the contributions, yeah. to, the, yeah. to the standard FNO product. Uh, we don't do community-driven development of our uh, solution in terms that the people would directly contribute to our code. Uh, but what we do a lot that we uh, so when the people have some challenges, uh, then we solve them together with them on our product, and uh, also taking their their inputs into account. And if it makes sense for a wider audience, then we also put it in our next version. Mm-hmm. Makes sense. Yes. One of the things that I I think is pretty cool as well is that traditionally uh, reporting has been done through through SSRS and uh, that requires some developer to be building the reports and and fixing them. And and that's why I think also that uh, doing it through the word templates that you're talking about is also a really good addition because that offloads the developers and can be done from someone else because a lot of the a lot of the uh, reporting design is often very much back and forth so we do something the business doesn't like it they f- uh, complain and we f- fix it again and they look <laughs> at it again and it's not good and but the the good thing with the word template is that they can basically in a tool that they are familiar with do uh, the building the yeah. the at, at least the the, like a proof of concept, at least something that works, that looks okay. If there are details that needs to be fixed, then we, we can take care of them. But they can do at least most of the work in a tool that they are already familiar with. Yes, that was exactly the case and very, very often case. Press approach, um, if almost every customer wants to customize at least the sales invoice, or at least the, the accounts payable check, and typically also some other reports. And with the SSRS technology, it means that the customers has to write the specification, developer implemented this, and uh, then in a few days uh, they have then they have deployed this solution to the environment, and in a, in a few days they sit together and see the results. And the results was typically not perfect fit. And then they repeated the whole process once or twice or three times. And it's very time consuming. And then it comes to the money. I, we heard that some, some customers paid more than 10,000 or even 20,000 for just one report. That's, these are like the maximums, but these are still huge, huge money. And with the centric, uh, you can actually uh, export the data source, uh, use uh, use a, either a blank Word document or a Word document that you have printed from the SSRS, for example, uh, and 
and you can and then you can in an off-flight mode in a in a Microsoft uh, Word designer uh, create your document and it can it's very it's very quick and you see all the results in real time and so this is something that uh, the power users typically can do and even the less experienced power user can do some smaller customizations of of existing of existing reports like uh, adding a new field like uh, uh changing different uh, different layout sizes mm. uh colors uh, or some other minor specifics or maybe changing the the language and so on. So you can play with all these uh, design, uh, and not just design, but also the content of the document offline uh, and all, and see all the results immediately. It's very cool. I've been hands-on with that template designer, actually. It's really, as you say, it's very straightforward. Yeah, we do have like um, demo sessions, how to customize your accounts payable check in a, in a lunch break. But that, that's, this is not just a title, it's actually a reality that one experience can do it in a lunch break, less experienced mm. users can do it in a few hours. Yeah. It's really cool, very powerful tool to, to explain. But how would you describe the difference between, I mean, your tool and using the, um, the new functionality, the configurable business documents? I, I know in the standard product, there is a lightweight version of doing Excel exports, right? That Microsoft has has done how would you describe the major differences between those to understand between the centric and and what's built in yes uh, microsoft has also tried with this configure business document mm. technology uh, to actually uh, bring the document customization closer to power users mm. and uh, they have this uh, they, they, they support it from excel and also from word documents and but it has turned out that actually the uh, data modeling part is quite powerful uh while uh data uh document formatting part the fu- the final the visualization final, yeah. is actually quite limited okay and uh so if you have more not actually not so basic requirements uh, then you can just struggle quite a lot Okay. So uh, we we actually made some kind of a take how to take we actually made the choice to take best of of both worlds. Mm-hmm. So the centric uh, can be used. The centric can use uh, Microsoft uh, configurable business documents data models, yeah. and you can make the centric designs based on it. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that's actually much more powerful and also using er right electronic reporting and then that the actually model. electronic reporting is a framework bit, uh, under under the configurable business documents mm-hmm. yes uh, but it still turns out that uh, if you want to do some more advanced uh, customization in your data models mm-hmm. uh, maybe you don't need a real developer but you still need someone that has a developer Mindset. Or, yeah, mindset, yeah. exactly. Yeah, that's been my yeah. experience too. It's like, it's, yeah, it's, it's easy, a little but bit yeah, too compli- yeah, it's a little bit too a little complicated. Bit too complicated you for yeah, you need to know what the model mapping does, what is the model, what yeah. is the format. It's, it takes a bit of understanding to get to know. Yeah. And it's powerful, absolutely. I share that, uh, what you say, that maybe not like a functional user in that mindset. You need to be at least technically savvy understand how this these things work but it makes it exactly. a lot, a lot yeah. more powerful leveraging on on the er um framework the, the authentic leverage is uh ssrs 
designs an SSRS data provider, the standard mm -hmm. one, all their logic, and also the um, electronic reporting data models. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So. And that is a lot of documents, right? Because that's basically everything coming out of the system is configurable that way. Um, using ER, you can pretty much build anything. You can build like collection letters, whatever you need using those types of configurations, as long as you understand them. If you're using standard configurable business documents, there are, then you're also limited to uh, standard electronic reporting print destinations. Yeah, I mean, together with the Docentric template layout, because you have a lot of expressions there yeah. that I've noticed when working with, yeah. uh, with the Word plugin specifically. Yeah. Together with the Docentric yeah. templates, you can use Docentric advanced exactly. print destinations yeah. that are uh, much more suitable for advanced scenarios and for the integrations. Yeah, absolutely. And that's a very common use case, specifically to be able to push files to a separate yeah. job storage is just one very simple use case, which is very common. You need different security, different uh, use cases, different integration patterns. You need to be able to at least segregate um, areas of where you put these files. And that makes it a very simple thing to, to solve. If you Google it, some people still Google. Those of us that doesn't use chat for everything, we still Google. <laughs> Don't trust everything. Bing, of course. <laughs> yeah, no. But if we do that, I, I think your solution using that free uh, the free license and the, the whole community mindset that you have it seems to be a very good approach because then you pop up very high it's not like this big paywall which you have to go through to find information because you guys seem to be very very um open with your information and then of course i mean if we use a product and, and use the premium versions then it's it's pretty clear to pay for it of course but it's uh, it seems to me to be a very good strategy at least paid off um for seeing how many people actually use docentric product right i'm now. also glad actually that, that this business model really works that we can actually uh, earn a decent living with uh, with being so open to the community yeah yeah of course that's very cool uh, but docentric as you said that was actually new to me I've, I've only been in touch with docentric of course via like the ax sphere uh, but you guys provide to, to different products as well is it majority dynamics oriented now uh, or no actually we are the vast majority we are focused on fno okay mm. uh we are now developing also the uh, customer engagement uh, product, but it's in a it's in an early phase. Actually, the the pressure from our customers to cover also the CRM and Power mm -hmm. Platform is 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 really big. Mm -hmm. uh, so this will be our next uh, big topic. Yeah. So do we see SSRS being there in the future? I mean, I've I've been an SSRS developer myself, and it's uh, it's developer hell to build a document in SSRS um, because of like, you can pretty much build a very fancy report, but as soon as ERP comes into play, it has to be the specific layout, the specific form. So working in SSRS is developer hell, I would say, at least from my perspective. Um, so it makes sense to, to work with a more like platform or a user-friendly template. So do we SSRS as a report generator, like a framework might still be there for a while, right? Actually, from all the, from all what what I see or hear from Microsoft, I don't see that they will uh, replace it with with anything, with, no. with some other technology in the in the mid future. No, or right. It's it's still there not. as a report generator. Yeah, maybe in the very next generation of their ERP system, but ChatGPT comes in <laughs> exactly. <Yeah. laughs> you don't you don't need a report. You just get a, a dialogue yeah. instead. <laughs> what do you maybe. want to know? Yeah. Maybe something like that. We'll see.
Yes. Actually, there's the, there are so many reports uh, in standard that are developed with SSRS. Yeah, of course. Uh, so, yeah. <clears throat> yeah, but it's the same shift they did for, for uh, when they migrated from 2009 from the classic rendering report. So I understand fully that like the SSRS engine is super powerful. I'm not saying that it's it's bad, but when building, as you say, the, the actual end user reports in an ERP context where you don't have these fast deploys, if you just have us like deploying an SSRS report in itself is super easy, right? It's very fast and quick, but deploying like the supporting layer underneath the uh, the data provider classes, um, that's where the rigidness comes in from an ERP perspective. Yeah, I think the SSRS as a technology for other purposes yeah, is it's just perfect. fine. Yeah. yeah. No, exactly. It's the, the, the whole part of understanding, that's where SSRS as opposed to ER um, model, where you need to understand the differences here. And that's something I'm struggling with still, understanding the limitations and the, and the um, uh, benefits of using um, electronic reporting as opposed to SSRS, like pure, um, to understand the difference in model and generation and how these things work. When we've been talking about electronic reporting and SSRS, mm-hmm. the number of uh, SSRS reports in the uh, FNO is actually huge. And yeah. There is a very, very minor part of this. Just the most commonly used report are supported also in, in the electronic yeah, reporting yeah. CBD version. Yeah, exactly. But the most common ones are the sales invoice, purchase invoice, the ones that are most yes. commonly as well also customized. And that's that's where the model comes into play, right? It's interesting to see. And they are also... Easiest. The, the ones that customer pays attention to it. Yeah, of course. And the ones that, and where you need to do, to, to differentiate uh, between not only like legal entities, subsets of, of customers within legal entities require different formats, different layouts, different... Yeah. Are you selling Those abroad? Those public-facing documents are, yeah, yeah, the, exactly. are the ones that the customers care. Business documents, exactly. Yes. So, um, yeah, is, is there anything else that you think that we should uh, talk about today? So as an ISV, we can also talk about some challenges yeah. <laughs> about uh, of our development. Uh, so FNO is an extensible product, uh, but especially in last years, it's, it's harder. I mean, it's harder and harder to extend the new functionalities. Mm. Uh, and uh, if you want to be some kind of a progressive ISV and also uh, actually give the customers some kind of a maximum also with the with the newer technologies we quite often have to uh really walk on the edge um how to uh, how we could extend because actually that's what that's what our customers typically uh typically expect Mm -hmm. and uh because it's a kind of a great area it always means that we have to test every new version immediately after it of an FNO immediately after it's released. Sometimes it, it even requires some, some hot fixes and it's an ongoing story. And, uh, <laughs> uh, yeah. And then discussing with Microsoft, uh, extensibility requests, finding some, uh, how can it something be achieved, uh, yeah. other way it's, 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 I mean, it's really interesting. Um, but it's changed a little bit of how, how we how we uh, modify the product, right? Because you are a product team, you also need to maintain all the testing scenarios. So I, I would imagine that you guys have a def- you test on a number of different scenarios and versions, but then you have clients running different um, different configurations, different reports. It's that that must be a nightmare in covering test scenarios. You can only test so far up until the report hits the template because the templates you guys have no control over right that's on the client side so how do we test a template that is customized it's really 
interesting. I, I, you, there are a number of ways to do it, of course. But if you have, let's say, you have twenty customized reports, um, how would you, how would you test those, and what do you test? Do you test the data that, that actually reaches? Actually, um, the data are packed in a so-called centric data source package. This is an XML structure. And then you have a template. So these are actually the, the, the two inputs that goes into our rendering mm -hmm. engine. And if there are any problems in this area, it's quite, uh, there are quite uh, reproducible and it's easy. It's quite easy to find out uh, the, to find out the mm -hmm. root cause and also quite easy to run the tests, the, okay. some kind of uh, automatic test. Uh, any functionality that is connected to the FNO standard That's... in uh, connection with whatever different settings and configuration are, is, is much more trickier. And the most tricky um, problems that actually we have uh, are the ones that we cannot test. And those are the one, the problems that appear just on some customers environment, <laughs> just on some environments, just on some customers. And even the Microsoft admits that they really appear just there. So, yeah. yeah. PDF rendering versions, stuff like that. Uh, really or, or the last one that I remember is reading some, uh, reading some environment con configuration data from the, from the environment configuration didn't work on some. <laughs> some environments <laughs> random errors yeah this is something where we of course rely on the microsoft infrastructure libraries of course yeah but in some rare cases things didn't work as a... but that's also the challenge right because that's also in, in in a transitory state it's always moving it's always changing it's, it's going yes, to one version I mean, for so me that's that's really the uh, driver it would be boring otherwise yeah absolutely of course <laughs> it's easier to test things when they're than the, when they're stable yeah. now we need to test what might come ahead and make sure yeah. that we we adapt to it as well yeah we're not doing this because it's easy but because it's hard so <laughs> <laughs> yeah. so, so one question one question i have you you uh, touched on this before that that sometimes microsoft won't let you extend new functionality in a way where you would like to uh, does it also happen, happen often that they actually remove extensibility options from, from some where, where they ha have already been extensibility or, or if they uh, like uh, changes functionality so that all of a sudden your extens extensions doesn't work anymore? Yeah, it happens sometimes, uh, but actually... Microsoft has given some commitments and one of these commitments about is about this binary backward compatibility mm. and they treat this one extremely serious uh, so if something if some of their changes is breaking binary compatibility like if they added a new parameter of a, on a public method this is like one example uh, they will treat it as a high priority and they will uh, issue a hot fix and so on yeah. but then, then there are other changes that they don't violate their commitment but they still uh, violate uh, there are still a uh, there are still a blocker for for our application okay. and those are, are much more trickier because microsoft doesn't take them that serious and sometimes they fix it maybe in our next version sometimes they don't fix it at all and then we, of course, have to find some kind of a workaround. Yeah, I would imagine that's very tricky to to always stay on top as an ISV as well. Because I mean, we as a, uh, if I, we just use a, one client implementation, it's very, it's easier at least to build one specific set of routines, one specific set of tests to make sure that we adapt and, and like uh, have some time to plan ahead. But when you have 
so many other yeah. challenges it makes it I harder. mean the most yeah the most tricky part for him, uh, for us is that uh, we don't have control and direct access to the to the target environments so, no yeah, of course so do you do you do anything on commerce I, I know you have warehouse labels which is also a very good use case where um, to, to make use of labels and formatting uh, make it easier for printing and destination of course not to say the least but do you have any commerce uh, like on the post side for um, uh, to use templates there is there are there any plans to use templates there I'm thinking like receipts Actually, uh, reports uh, we typically listen to the inputs of our customers and I'm a bit surprised but there wasn't uh, much of the much interest from our customers for customizing reports on the commerce side okay uh, yeah so uh centric as a, as a as a technology uh of course covers all ssrs reports in mm. the uh, can be used for all ssrs based reports in the in the fno uh so from the commerce uh so from the retail we cover we we cover certain aspects like yeah. product labels shelf labels and so on but on the commerce especially we don't have any okay. use cases yet but if you do have, just let us know. No, I haven't heard of it either. It's more, it's always like you have this set fixed set of reports, the X report, the Z report, the, the different uh, receipts, etc. So it's just interesting to hear if you've had any any use cases from there because it's always a subset of reports that are actually business documents from the post side, right? The remaining part can be or maybe should be back-end reporting as well. You could do it in Power BI or in SSRS. So there it comes into play, right? But actually printing a docentric template from store commerce um i haven't seen any any such use cases or implementations before so it's just an interesting question yeah as i know that part is let's say better covered by the standard yeah that's okay that's the input mm -hmm. that the, the feedback that, that we get from yeah it makes sense it's, you don't have 1000 report options in pools or if you do you have some issues i think with your yeah. <laughs> with your selection criteria and, and also the the retail uh the retail invoices are typically simpler mm. and uh yeah, absolutely. It's very straight, very, very formatted. You can you only have so much space to use. Exactly, and then mm -hmm. it's probably current technology is pro looks looks like it's sufficient. Mm -hmm. All right, all right. Uh, but with that, I think it's an, a perfect place to uh, say thank you to Miha for joining us this episode. Thank you very much, and uh, hope to see you soon again. Thank you. I would just uh, take this time to also invite you to Dynamics Mind Conference. Yeah, this is also something that our company is uh, organizing. So it's a, a Dynamics Conference covering FNO and, all, and also other Dynamics tracks uh, in May in Porto Roche. So yeah, welcome. both me and Johan will be there. So I'm looking yes. forward to it. Come meet, come meet us. Johan and Gustav yeah. will be there. Yep. So come and meet us. Come and meet us. Great. Okay, until yeah. next time, have a nice time. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.